Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The List. As always, my name is Brett, and joining me on the other end of the tin can and string is Jordan. Jordan, how are we doing today? I would like for this episode to be introduced as beating you by one game overall in our picks, co-host Jordan. We can do that, especially because my college picks did not go so well last week, but I did recover uh, with the NFL picks. And of course, as we mentioned earlier, Zach Jackson taking a well-deserved vacation and avoiding talking about Mike Kosicki. And we do have Jordan, or excuse me, Josh Farmer is the, or Joe Farmer, sorry, is the (laughs) producer. What's going on, boys? (laughs) Yeah, well... What's going on? I can't go any shows without messing up a name. We all know that. As said, I am a Kenny Mixon enthusiast uh, who is a former Dolphin player. But as we know, I was talking about Joe Mixon the whole time. (laughs) So it is becoming a thing, but it's all for the content, boys. Um, As no, this is going to be our normal end-of-the-week podcast where Jordan and I go up against each other in a little bit of pick'em for both college and NFL, and of course ending with the Dolphins. Jordan, you kind of beat me in college last week, um, but the only game I'm really mad about, or shocked by, I should say, is the Bama-Texas game. Yeah, I think that we were both completely wrong. Um, I think that um, Milrow is not really the accurate big game pass that we thought he was. Um, he's just a, a, a big body. Um, and Quinn Ewers is for real. I mean, he's now um, kind of on that trajectory uh, that guys like Johnny Manziel, guys like Baker Mayfield, um, hook uh, the college league by storm um, and will have an ability to make money in the NFL draft. I don't think there's anything Quinn Ewers can do um, to pass a guy like Caleb Williams, um, but I think he could play well enough to, for people to put him in that category for the number two quarterback. Uh, with a guy uh, like Drake May. Yeah, no, I agree there. Uh, Quinn Ewers, uh, honestly, if you want to talk about arm talent, he's probably above Caleb Williams. Uh, that doesn't mean he's a better player, but arm talent-wise, he's right there. And he's was the number one guy in his class for a re- uh, reason. But him, Shadur Sanders, and even my boy J.J. McCarthy are competing with Drake May and Michael Penix for being first-round quarterbacks, in my opinion. It's a very good QB class, but uh, luckily we have our QB, so we don't have to worry about that. And that just means some really good players are going to fall to us in the draft at number 32. Yeah, the, the key word there is number 32. <laughs> yep, so we, we are making a small change to this week in picks for college. I did uh, send Jordan four games to pick and for the fifth one we're we're each just gonna pick our own um i don't know what jordan's picking jordan doesn't know what i'm picking he can probably guess what i'm picking but that's for a little later but i picked out four games i think would be interesting and jordan i don't know about you but looking at the schedule once again i find myself not liking the schedule because there's not a lot of interesting games uh this weekend in college yeah i actually in my notes here um, I put shit slate, um, that this is not the best week. Um, however, I think that weeks that we say aren't the best weeks for college football um, end up being some of the wackiest. So um, I look for, for some things to be shaken up here, um, and I look for some good games, some, the beginning of a little bit of conference play, um, and then a couple of good non-conference games um, that we'll talk about here coming up. And of course, as always, I always tell everybody to join us on Finn Heaven to Talk Dolphins Football, the biggest Dolphins fan site on the internet. We also have some very good gamblers there, uh, so you can always get some gambling advice there as well to help you on all those sites like DraftKings. Uh, but here we go with some pickums. The first game on the slate, going into Big Ten country, Penn State versus Illinois. Talking about promising young quarterbacks is Penn State's sophomore quarterback, Drew Aller. Uh, just to kind of give an idea, Jordan, I actually think Penn State next year is going to be favorites in the Big Ten. If you look at their sophomore class, where you got Allers, the quarterback, but you have two insanely good running backs in Katron Allen and Nick Singleton. Uh, if it wasn't for the Michigan backfield in, of Quorum and Edwards, I'd say Allen and Singleton are the best back 
field in the bit, especially in Big Ten, but probably in the country as well. Um, and they are two and zero. Looked really good in both games. Last week was against Delaware, so take that as a grain of salt. Um, Illinois is coming off of a loss to Kansas, and their quarterback Luke Altmyer only had two hundred two yards passing. Now Kansas is an improved team the last two years. But it's still Kansas, and Illinois should not be losing to them. After an Illinois lost a couple players to the draft, most notably their running back Chase Brown and the cornerback Weatherspoon, who went fifth overall, I believe. And they're miss they are missing both of them because if you look at the offense in every category, Illinois in the Big Ten is ninth in every category: passing offense, total offense, uh, running offense. It's it's consistent. And then offensively, they're consistent as well, where they are 14th in the Big Ten in every statistic, but passing where they're 12th. So they are not a good offense, and they've been an even worse defense. Now, I do think Brett Bielema is a better coach than James Franklin. Not a better recruiter, but a better coach. But they have a lot. An uphill battle right now, just with how they've looked early this season. Penn State's hot. Like I said, they only had two losses last year to Ohio State and Michigan. They're clearly the third best team in the Big Ten. The one hope Illinois has is it is in Champaign. So they do have the home field advantage, and you don't know how a young quarterback is going to do there. And while I don't have the stats from what I've seen the first two weeks Penn State has been somewhat susceptible to the run. They gave up a 50-plus yard touchdown to Delaware this past weekend. And West Virginia had some decent chunk runs against them week one. So that could make the game interesting, especially with Bielema being a Wisconsin coach where he wants Wisconsin, Arkansas, both places he's been before here. And even as he showed last year with Illinois, he wants to run a lot. But I think this is a three-touchdown win for Penn State at minimum. Um, yeah, and, and when we're going to get to talking about this game, I think that it's important um, to look at the last time that these two teams played um, because Penn State was also number seven going into that game. And I don't know if you remember that game a couple years ago, but that game actually went into nine overtimes in which Illinois beat Penn State 20-18. to 18. Um, This is a different Penn State team. Um, this is a less experienced Penn State team, um, but this is a higher upside Penn State team to me. Um, Drew Aller, to me, has the upside to be a better quarterback than Sean Clifford. Um, and I think this Penn State team, like you said, uh, is a year away from making a huge jump. Uh, I mean, they're number seven in the country, so there's not much higher they can jump up. Um, but I think they're a year away from really being able to compete Uh, for a spot in the playoff and a spot in the national championship like a school like Michigan is. Um, I think Penn State wins with relative ease here. Um, Looking ahead at Penn State's schedule, I think they win here. I think they win against Iowa. I think they win at Northwestern. They obviously beat UMass, uh, who UMass is is not a pushover. They're a better team this year. Um, But they're going to go. Yeah, but they're going to be 6-0 going into that game at Ohio State. Um, I don't know. I think it'll be right around that spread, which is 14 and a half. Uh, I think Illinois will do enough to try to stay in the game. Uh, Bielema will slow the game down so that there won't be many possessions. Um, but Penn State wins pretty comfortably. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it tells you something that that was one of the more interesting games in the weekend that we're picking this. Because honestly, unless you're a Penn State fan, I don't really, or an Illinois fan, I guess, I don't really think too many people are going to be watching this. Um, aside from... Aller being someone to watch for a 2025 draft. That's all I'm going to say on that. Uh, second game, we're going down to SEC country. I think this game could be sneaky interesting in LSU versus Mississippi State. Uh, LSU won big against Grambling last week, which was expected. I do think at one point they were down 14 nothing though, so that could be a little concerning, especially after a loss to Florida State. Uh, you have Zach Arnett, of course, taking over for the late great Mike Leach as coach, and he has them win uh, at a 2-0 record, coming off of a close win with Arizona. Probably a little closer than they wanted, but it was still 
a uh, two zero start. And uh, Joe Quavius Marks, who is the running back for the Bulldogs, is currently the tenth leading rusher in the country. Uh, I always feel like even even though it wasn't Mike Leach's game for Mississippi State, I always think of Dan Mullen and wanting to run the ball down their throat. So I, it is kind of cool to see them kind of go back to that style early on. So will the running game be able to match Jane Daniels, the quarterback for LSU, and one of those guys who also might be fighting to be a first-round pick? Uh, I don't personally think so, but I know a lot of draft experts do like him. But they do have a very highly thought-of and talented offense, including one sophomore tight end, Mason Taylor, son son of Dolphins legend Jason Taylor. Uh, I'm going to surprise people a little bit, and I actually think Mississippi State wins on a last-second field goal. And the reason is it is in Starksville. Crazy things happen at Starksville is. Uh, when they host a top 10 team. They don't have the best winning percentage, but it's a lot closer than it usually should be. I just think LSU is just one of those teams in the last 5, 10 years that if it's not Alabama, they just find a way to choke, especially early in the season. So that's going to be my upset pick, and it's going to be Mississippi State winning on a last-second field goal. Would it surprise you if I told you that I'm also picking Mississippi State? Somewhat. Well, I am. Um, I think that uh, Will Rogers, I mean, he might not be the higher-rated quarterback, but I think he's up there as far as college quarterbacks go. Um, And I think that this team uh, in Mississippi State, especially early in the season, um, is playing for something much bigger than LSU is playing for. Um, Yeah, LSU is trying to rewrite their season. I'm going to get back after the tough loss. Um, again, Florida State. Um, but I think they're going up against something, uh, like you said, playing at Mississippi State, especially being an early game at noon. Um, I think that place is going to be rocking. I think that place is going to be playing for Coach Leach. Um, and I think that Will Rogers, being a senior, being a guy who's accurate with the football, being a guy who's decisive with the football, um, I think he's going to have a really good opportunity to win this game. I look for, like you said, um, a really, really close game. Um, but a game that Mississippi State wins. And who doesn't like to hear more cowbell like you hear down there? It's going to be nothing but cowbell that whole game. Uh, one of the coolest things, honestly, and you don't really think about that for a school like Mississippi State. But uh, third game, it's going to be an in- it's an interesting choice. Uh, Washington-Michigan State. The main reason I picked this game is, for those who don't know, Michigan State just put their coach, Mel Tucker, on a suspension, an indefinite suspension, Due to inappropriate interaction and sexual assault allegations when it came to the investigation of the sexual assault scandal Michigan State has dealt with for the last couple years. I'm not going to get into that whole scandal. The reports are out there. It's pretty disgusting. I'll leave it at that. And honestly, Mel Tucker is 99.9% getting fired at the end of the year. So... The reason I'm interested is to see how Michigan State reacts. The game is in East Lansing. Um, legendary coach D'Antonio, uh, who I am not a fan of, for various reasons, I'm a Michigan fan being one, is coming back to help coach the team. And you know he's always someone who gets players to play to above the sum of the parts. So that could have an impact. Washington has quarterback Michael Penix, former Indiana quarterback who, when healthy, is one of the top quarterbacks. And like I said earlier, he is another one of those guys who's fighting to become a first-round pick. Washington has very much improved since making their coaching change last year, going under Kalen DeBoer. Um, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Jordan, I think they are currently ranked 14th in the country. Eighth they are is what I have here. Eighth. Okay, so they, def- so they went up in the... In the rankings, last I saw was 14, so I haven't seen the updated ones. Uh, but they are a very high-powered team. The emotion for Michigan State could have it go one, could have it go south, especially with Washington traveling across country. That is always an issue. But this, starting in two years, I believe, is going to be a normal matchup as Washington is joining the Big Ten. I just think Washington has too much talent. The emotion, the controversy, I don't think Michigan State has the leaders that they've had in the past to be able to 
navigate these murky waters. So I think Washington is going to win by 17 points. Uh, yeah, I don't think this game is going to be very close. Um, I won't dive into the Mel Tucker situation, um, but from what he looks like, he needs to to do some work on himself. Um, and I wish that program um, and the children in that program that he, that he let down um, the best in their future. I, I think that this uh, writing was a little bit on the wall uh, because a lot of kids left Michigan State this past offseason. Um, and I think that uh, Washington is on the way up. Um, I think Michigan State is is going to have a rocky rest of the year. Um, and I think Washington wins this game. I think uh, Michigan State will take a, a nice little punch early. Um, I think they'll they'll have a little bit to say early on. Um, they'll be playing with a lot of emotions. Football's an emotional sport. Um, but I think it, it, as the game goes on, the better team will prevail. Um, and, and Washington's a really, really good team. So Washington uh, by multiple scores. Before we move on, do you think Washington is a dark horse for the college playoff this year, or do you think they should be considered one of the four favorites? Um, I, I think they are a dark horse. Um, I'm pulling up their schedule as we speak. Uh, they play Oregon at home next week. I, I assume that'll be a night game. Um, and Washington's always so tough to beat at home. Um, they'll win a couple games, and then if they can get past that Oregon game, I mean, them and USC are going to go into that game undefeated on November 4th, um, and that game is, is going to be huge. That game will be between two teams that are very highly ranked if, if all holds serve, um, and Washington will be able to say on November 4th uh, whether or not they're a, a contender uh, for a spot in the playoff. I think USC 100% is uh, a team that should have a spot in that playoff. I, before the season, picked the USC to win the national championship. Um, I still think they're the best team. They have the best quarterback. They have a quarterback that's the closest thing I've seen to resembling Mahomes. Um, and he's better than Mahomes was in college. Um, Caleb Williams is a star. Uh, it's going to be tough for Washington to get past USC, um, but it's possible. They're playing good football. They're playing smart football. They're well-coached. They have a great defense, and they have a solid quarterback. So uh, Washington could make that late push. Um, but it's going to be tough for them to get past USC, uh, but they will get past Michigan State this week. Okay, so so far we are agreeing on every game. Let's see if this fourth one will change that as we go down to SEC country for Tennessee versus Florida. And we have, again, two former Big Ten quarterbacks going up against each other. Uh, Tennessee is starting Joe Milton, formerly of Michigan. Florida starting Graham Mertz, formerly of Wisconsin. There are oh. a lot of... In a lot of ways, they're the same guy. Where when they are on, they will they will have a great game. Or and when they're off, they're the worst player on the field. Joe Milton can make any throw there is to make. He has one of the strongest arms I've ever seen. But when you ask him to throw a two two yard out, he will break his receiver's fingers or overthrow it, or he will put it in the dirt in front of him. He has no control of his. Of his accuracy and Mertz, I don't know. Like, I remember his debut game against Kansas his freshman year at Wisconsin. I thought he was going to be a next big thing, but it just never seems like he put everything together. But it's again one of those things he could give you a six touchdown game or he'll give you a two or three interception game. Um, I've kind of watched both teams this year. You can definitely see that Milton is a, is a downgrade from Hendon Hooker from last year. Uh, there's been some rough spots early for Tennessee's offense, but they've been able to outclass their opponents. And I don't think this is the team that should, that was competing for the playoff last year in SEC title. Lost a little too much. I think they're still a good team, but I think once they play some better teams on their schedule, they're going to end up with three losses, maybe four. But... I don't think one of those is going to be Florida. Um, this game is in Gainesville, but I'm sorry. that I don't care what they did last week, but that Utah game, I cannot get out of my head. And I know Utah's a good team. I'm, at the time of that game, they're ranked uh, 14th, and they've since gone up. But Utah, as good as they are, looked awful in, against Baylor. Not, not even a good Baylor team. 
And honestly, only one because the refs swallowed their whistle on the last play of the game. And Baylor was really screwed out of getting one final play because of a pass interference. So I just, I just can't get that out of my head, how bad they looked. I think Tennessee's winning. I think it's going to be a close game. That doesn't mean I think it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good atmosphere, but I don't think it's going to be a good game. I think Florida is two years away from being an interesting team. I just don't think they have the players there. The rule in college, anybody who follows college knows this, for those who don't, is you have to recruit. Dan Mullen did not recruit when he was at Florida the last couple years. He left the cupboards bared for Billy, Billy Napier. He's his best players are freshmen and sophomores. A lot of them probably didn't get the red shirt because they just didn't. They needed the bodies. But I think Tennessee's winning this game. And uh, I don't really want to go even four for four even. Um, but th- this is going to be an interesting game. I think both teams are going to have success running the ball. Um, I think Florida uh, wasn't able to run the ball against Utah. Uh, And that's going to be different in this game. Uh, The problem is that Tennessee is also going to run the ball. Tennessee last week uh, ran the ball. Yes, they were playing Austin P, but they ran the ball 26, 32 times. Um, And they're not going to go away from the run uh, like Utah did. And and they ran the ball against Virginia. They had three running backs with more than 12 carries. They had 38. 47, 50, 52 carries in their first game against Virginia. Um, I, I don't think that the Florida defense um, is going to be able to stay with that. Um, I think they're going to take a lot of clock. And I just, I'm sorry, you said he could turn it on. I just don't trust Mertz uh, to, to lead an offense, to, to score a lot of points, to beat a team like Tennessee. I think the Gators are going to struggle. Um, I think Tennessee will win by two scores. Yeah, I was trying to think of a good mad way to call this for like for fans to think back to. This is like uh, this is like Chris Richt versus Brock Berlin back from the early two thousands. If anybody remembers those games, it's not going to be a pretty game, I don't think. Where did you pull that out of? I just pulled two mediocre. I just thought of mediocre quarterbacks for big teams back from the two thousands. So I went. Florida, Florida State, because those are the first two names, or Florida State, Miami, rather, because those are the first two names that popped into my head. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Okay, so here's the wild card. Hopefully, we don't pick this first game, but I'm going to go with my boys, Michigan, Bowling Green, which for some reason is going to be a primetime game. I don't understand that. Uh, this will be the last game Jim Harbaugh will not be coaching, serving a self-imposed three-game suspension for buying a recruited cheeseburger. Long story there, but is what it is. The, did you see uh, he was doing? Did you see he was doing the chains at his son's high school football game? I did. <laughs> I did. And uh, the coach this week will be our offensive coordinator Sharon Moore, uh, who I would be shocked if he is not a head coach in college football next year. In fact, the rumors are that Northwestern are already. A lot of homework on him, but go back to the quarterback theme. JJ McCarthy looks so much better this year than he did at any point last year. Already has five touchdowns to Roman Wilson, who I think has already surpassed his total for career touchdowns. And the team is going more with a balanced play calling where they've basically averaged the same amount of runs and passing attempts through the first two games, which last year was a big issue. Uh, the running game hasn't gotten going yet uh, with Quorum coming back from injury, and they're really not using Donovan Edwards much early. But the passing game looks really good. McCarthy, like I said, I, best quarterback I've se- play I've seen from Michigan in a long time. And despite, despite the struggles with the run game, many scouts believe Michigan goes seven to eight deep offensive line in terms of draft prospects, uh, led, in fact, by the two guards, Zach Zinter and Trevor Keegan. Uh, Zinter especially is one Miami Dolphin fans should look at. He is a left guard, and he is a stud. Defensively, it's not star-studded in the 
sense that you know the pass rushers because for the last couple of years, Michigan always has a star pass rusher. Uh, the closest thing we have is Chris Jenkins Jr., son of the former All-Pro defensive tackle. Uh, Jenkins Jr. is smaller than his dad, where he's at 310 rather than 340. Uh, but they call him the mutant because he is able to rush the pass rusher. He is having a great start to the year, and he's another guy I expect to be a first-round pick. Uh, but the defense at Michigan is always going to be loaded. Um, ironically, going against Bowling Green, their head coach is a former Michigan quarterback as well as former quarterback coach in Scott Loeffler. Uh, despite always rooting for him to do well because of his ties to the program, I don't think this game is going to be close. I expect Michigan to have another game where they win by 35-plus points going into the Big Ten season. So you're picking a game where the team is minus 40? I am. Do you have to? Do they have to win by 41 for you to get the win? We'll make, that, we'll make that agreement because I'm picking such a lopsided game that Michigan has to. Because I was going to say, I'll take UCF against Villanova. I'll take Alabama versus USF. I'll take, uh, I'll take no, all these games. Texas A&M this. versus Louisiana Monroe. I'll make it even more interesting. Michigan has to score 50 points for me to win. 50 points and they have to win by at least 40? Well, we can do either one. Uh, let's say they either have to score 50 or they have to win by at least 40. Because well, I think if they win by 50, they're going to win by 40 points. I don't see Bowling Green scoring two, two, two well, yes, if, against Michigan. If they win by 50, they'll win by 40, Brett. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> um, so the game I'm going to pick will be a little more interesting. Um, I am picking Kansas State um, ranked 15th in the country going on the road to Missouri. Um, I think Kansas State is a really good team. I think Kansas State's going to be a popular bet this week um, because they're uh, a highly ranked team who had a great season last year. Uh, some thought should have made the playoffs after they beat TCU in the Big 12 title game. Um, they're returning a lot of their pieces uh, from that team last year. Um, however, I think they're going go to the, go on the road and lose to Missouri. Um, this is a noon game at Missouri. Uh, this is a rivalry game. Missouri has one of the best teams they've had um, in a couple of years. I think their quarterback, uh, Cook, is an accurate passer. Um, he's not going to make many mistakes. Uh, Missouri has brought in some real weapons, under-the-radar weapons, high recruits over the last couple of years. Um, and, and they're a team uh, that I'm seeing over the next couple of years that's going to look to pass schools like Mississippi State, Texas A&M, schools like that, that middle tier in the SEC. I see Missouri over the next few years really being a team that's going to jump into that upper mid-level um, of the SEC, especially with Oklahoma, with Texas coming. Uh, there's a lot of pressure uh, for a school like Missouri uh, to continue to turn this thing around. I think it's a home game. It's a noon game, horrible loss a couple years ago. A lot of the money in Vegas is on Kansas State. I think Missouri beats Kansas with a late score, uh, but Missouri wins and goes to 3-0 against a ranked team. I do like that pick. Missouri is one that is definitely looks like they're building something. Kansas State, of course, as long as I can remember, they're always good for one big upset a year, usually Oklahoma. <laughs> so... We'll see how that goes. To, uh, so to recap real quick, this is going to be a boring recap, but Jordan and I agree, Penn State over Illinois, Mississippi State over LSU, Washington over Michigan State, and then Tennessee over Florida. Jordan's wild card is Missouri beating Kansas State, and mine is Michigan bowling, over Bowling Green, scoring at least 50 points a night. Remember, they have to hit that for me to w win that tiebreaker, otherwise it is a loss. So, now on to the fun games of NFL, which we're starting with a team that really made me look bad last week, and not just because I kept messing up their running back's name. The Bengals lost the Browns, which maybe not so surprising, but what's surprising to me, Jordan, is how bad they looked. And I know Joe Burrows only had one day of practice all offseason, but 14 for 31 for 82 yards isn't an encouraging start, and especially when Mixon runs thir thir has 13 carries for 56 yards. Uh, no, that's not a good start whatsoever. Um, they, they have a really tough game this week. 
Um, I personally um, think that Joe Burrow struggles early in the season. Um, it took him a little bit last year to turn it on. Um, and I don't think this is going to be one uh, that they turn around. I think the Ravens are going to win this game. Um, I think the Bengals played really well against Lamar last year um, in their last meeting. Um, I don't think they do that again here. Um, I think that even with J.K. Dobbins down, I think Gus Edwards, Justice Hill are plenty enough in the backfield. I think the Ravens' wide receiver core is much improved. Zay Flowers is unbelievable. He's one of the best rookie receivers in the league. He is lightning quick. He reminds me of a mini Tyreek Hill. Not just the speed, but the way he runs his routes. Um, and the Ravens' defense is is solid, solid. Um, I think the Ravens win this game, uh, and the Bengals uh, continue their slow start to the season. This is going to be a boring uh, pick them because I do agree with you. Uh, I watched the Ravens game, a lot of it. It's another one of those cases where I just think the Ravens were sleepwalking. Lamar Jackson uh, was lackadaisical for most of the game with the ball, took a couple bad sacks, had a bad interception. His stats were 17 for 22, 169 yards and an interception. As you mentioned, though, Zay Flowers, nine catches for 78 yards. So basically half of Lamar Jackson's offense went through Zay Flowers. The defense still looked great. Um, I'm looking at it right now. They had one, two, three, four, five sacks, again, albeit against a poor offensive line in Houston. Uh, but that being said, the question for Cincinnati is always going to be their offensive line as well, and they did just release Lael Collins. Um, yes, he's coming off of an injury. But Baltimore and Cincy is always a nasty game. It's a division game. But I like I said, Baltimore, I think they're angry. I think they want to prove something, and I think Ravens win that game as well. All right. Continue this boring pick em. <laughs> So maybe we get into some interesting as we're going to take a look at our division opponents, and we are going with the Las Vegas Raiders versus the Buffalo Bills. No team made me look as foolish as Buffalo did it. And I think you and I both thought Buffalo was going to destroy the Jets, especially with Aaron Rodgers tearing his Achilles. Uh, but Josh Allen had one of the worst games he's ever had, going 29-41, 236 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions. Uh, for Vegas coming off of a win against the Broncos, a uh, close game, a defensive game. Jimmy Garoppolo, just as just called a Jimmy G game. It was 20 of 26, 200 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. A rather boring game. Um, Josh Jacobs coming up, coming back looked a little rough, of course, coming off of his whole long holdout. 19 carries, 48 yards, two and a half yards a carry. Uh, the team was led by Jacoby Myers, getting nine receptions, 81 yards, and two touchdowns. He is... Pretty pretty sure he's missing the game because he's in concussion protocol. And I saw Devontae Adams was also uh, nursing an injury. Despite all that, I am going to try and end this monotony, and I'm going to pick Vegas to beat Buffalo. I've been calling for all offseason that I think this is going to be a regression for Buffalo. Josh Allen, is good. he was good last year. He was great last year, but he did not look as good as he did with uh, Brian Dayball is his offensive coordinator. That's no disrespect to Ken Dorsey. I just think when you have the the rapport that he had with Dayball, it's very tough to replace that. Stephon Diggs had 10 catches, 102 yards, and a touchdown, but you always hear about the issues coming out now. You just had the issue with a Bills, a Bills-employed reporter got caught on a mic talking trash about Stephon Diggs. So it's messy up in Buffalo. And the other thing that's always been a story is Buffalo does not have a run game. James Cook might become that, but he had 12 carries, 46 yards, uh, 3.8 yards a carry. I'm not impressed with the other targets aside from Stephon Diggs in the running in the uh, receiving game. Gabe Davis could have a great game one week and then disappear. I think they're struggling a little bit to get Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid both into the game plan at the same time. And I just think having Garoppolo makes all the difference. It's going to be boring. 
it is going to be a very boring game, but I like the defense. I still believe the Vegas defensive coordinator is our old defensive coordinator, uh, Patty Graham. I think he has a lot of options to help frustrate Josh Allen. And for as big as he is and as many hits as he takes, he does show when he's getting blitzed, he does get frustrated. So I think Graham has the type of defense that will frustrate him. And I think it is going to be a close game. I'm going to say 2017 Vegas. And I think Josh Allen will have another two interceptions. Well, you're definitely going to end the uh, string of similar picks we've had here. Um, I think the Bills win this game, and I think the Bills win this game pretty handily. Um, the the Bills definitely took a step back of this offseason. Um, I definitely think they um, made a mistake, mostly running it back and lost a couple pieces. Um, I don't think they're as good or as scary as they were last year. Um, I didn't find them... Uh, to be impressive week one in any aspect of the game. Um, but I do think that they're significantly better than Vegas. Um, I think Vegas uh, won week one um, against their rivals. It was an emotional game. Uh, they're 1-0. and uh, I'm so glad that Jacoby Myers is only in the concussion protocol after that injury he had. Um, but I think they're very banged up coming off that tough division game. Um, and the Broncos beat themselves. I mean, the Broncos, um, yes, there's a new, a new coach. Uh, Sean Payton came in, uh, replacing Hackett. Um, so it was a little bit cleaner. But Sean Payton doesn't kick an onside kick right in the beginning of the game. I, it's a different story. Um, there were a lot of errors that came along the way in the way he called that offense um, that just shouldn't have happened. Um, and I think that the Bills are a different animal. I think the Bills are going to put up a lot of points. Um, I think the Bills are on upset watch next week at Washington. Uh, I think Washington's a team that uh, is a bad matchup for uh, the Bills because of the way they run the ball um, and because of the way they play defense. Um, but I think the Bills win by a couple scores um, and beat Vegas to go back to one and one Okay. It'll be interesting because it's those are definitely both two teams – that are known for beating themselves up a little bit. Uh, on to the next game, staying with the division. I think uh, I think this is going to be another boring one for us. Uh, but New York Jets, Dallas Cowboys. Jets is everybody. I do, first I got to say this, Jordan. I don't think either. Te- I don't think there's two teams coming off of a win. It could feel as opposite as these two teams win. I do. The Jets beat the. Bills 22-16 in overtime, but as we talked about on the last podcast, Aaron Rodgers has a ruptured Achilles and will be out for the year, so we are seeing Zach Wilson. Now, to Wilson's credit, he didn't play terribly, 14 14, uh, of 21, 140 yards, a touchdown and an interception, uh, with touchdown going to Garrett Wilson, but if we're being honest, the Jets' success is going to lot lie on the shoulders of Brees Hall, who did have a great game coming back from his ACL tear, 10 carries, 127 yards, which is ridiculous. They do have a great defense. Um, Jordan Whitehead had three interceptions of uh, Josh Allen on Monday night, and the Bills, or the Jets, excuse me, had five sacks. I was just counting that up real quick. As well, so they still do have that great pass rush. Now the Cowboys, on the other hand, destroyed the Giants forty nothing. Dak Prescott did not have a good game, but he didn't really need to. Thirteen twenty four hundred forty three yards. The story for Dallas is what the story of Dallas has been for several years. They go as their running game goes. Tony Pollard had fourteen carries, seventy yards for two touchdowns, and Cavante Turpin added a third in there. The Cowboys also are a very strong defense. They had two interceptions and then two, four, five, six, seven sacks against the Giants, who, if I'm not mistaken, have not the greatest offensive line, but not an offensive line that should be giving up seven sacks in the game. Uh, It's going to be an interesting one. Matchup to watch, of course, is CeeDee Lamb versus Sauce Gardner. That's going to be a lot of talking. Uh, I'm curious to see if... Gardner is going to be getting watched for being as handsy as he is. Uh, end of the day, this is, in my opinion, is going to be which defense makes a play first 
or which team falls asleep first. And I think I would bet against anybody going against Zach Wilson until he proves that he can handle the pressure. Uh, I think Dallas is going to sell out to stop Brees Hall and dare Zach Wilson to beat him. And unfortunately for the Jets, I do not think he can. And I think Dallas is going to win by four touchdowns. <laughs> I love the bit you threw there at the end that they're going to win by four touchdowns. Um, I think that you are right. Um, the Cowboys are going to force the Jets to score. Um, more importantly, they're going to force the Jets to score in the air to somebody not named Garrett Wilson. Um, and I don't think the Jets are going to be able to. I don't think the Cowboys are going to beat the Jets like they beat the Giants 40 to nothing. Um, but I also don't see the Jets even getting to 22 points. Um, like they got last week against the Bills. I think this game will be somewhere in between. Um, I think three to four scores is somewhere um, probably in the right range. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was closer, um, just because I wasn't overly impressed with the Dallas offense, because they didn't have to be. Um, but I, I could see the Jets hanging around, um, and then I could see the Cowboys uh, scoring a couple times late uh, to pull away and make the game look uglier than it really is. Um, but things are going to get interesting for the Jets um, because they have a really tough schedule. Um, they they did su- surprise people and beat the Bills at home. Uh, but after this Dallas game, they play New England, who always plays them tough. They play Kansas City. At Denver is never an easy place to go. And then they play Philly. Um, I mean, looking at their schedule, yeah, they have some places um, that you expect them to win. Uh, home against the Commanders, home against the Texans, home against the Falcons. Um, but they have a lot of tough games here, um, and they're going to have to figure something out because I don't think that they're going to be able to make the playoffs, which was their goal this year, um, to take that next step. I don't know if they can really do that with Zach Wilson at quarterback. So um, I think the Jets fall to one and one here. I think the Cowboys win, um, and the Cowboys continue to be looked at um, as one of the best teams in the NFC, and them and Philly are going to have a great rivalry both times they play this year and probably a third time come playoff time. You'd think so, but Dallas is one of those teams, no matter how good they look in the seat, they're going to find a way to screw it up. I called it chargering last week. Maybe you can call it cowboying. Maybe you just call it Mike McCarthying because he finds a way to have super talented teams that are so good in the regular season, and then they just find a way to choke. Um, but yeah, just another boring couple for Pickham with Jordan and I agreeing that the Ravens are winning. And the Cowboys winning, but the difference is Jordan's going with the Bills. I'm going with the Raiders. The only four games to pick this week. The last one will be the Dolphins-Pats. We previewed that the last episode a little bit, and of course you can listen to that on all podcast platforms except Apple TV and Google, uh, Apple Music and Google Music, but that should be fixed within the next couple weeks hopefully and then we will also be uploading these to youtube again as well um but just to go into it jordan i think we agree that the dolphins are beating the pats um we kind of went in we went into it a bit but i as a dolphins fan i love the idea of try of mac jones trying to throw against us and i think as you said you pray and i'll join you on the pray i hope they let him throw 54 times against us yeah, he's not going to be able to. Um, I think that this is a game uh, that the Dolphins like the matchup. Um, more importantly, like I said on the last episode, this is a matchup that the Dolphins like defensively. Um, when we play teams uh, like the Patriots, the Patriots' game plan needs to be run the ball 50 to 60 times. If the Patriots go out, like that game they had in the snow, I think it was at Buffalo, or was that New England against Buffalo? But it was in like a blizzard, and the Patriots literally ran the ball every single play of the game, other than a couple. That's what they're going to need to do. If they can do that, um, and they can be mature enough to do that, and Mac Jones can handle doing that, they have a chance. I just don't see it. I don't see them being able to score enough points. And at the end of the day, the Dolphins are going to be a team that sit right around 30 points every game. So if your offense can't get to 30, you're going to have a tough time beating the Dolphins. I have the Dolphins winning this game 31-17. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit closer just because it's in New England. 
Um, it's a Sunday night football game. I think Gesicki is going to score a touchdown against us um, because that's what always happens. Um, but I think Tua has another big game. I think Jalen Waddle has a really good game. Uh, I think Durham Smythe catches a touchdown. Uh, and I think the Dolphins' defense gets a couple turnovers, and the Dolphins win 31-17. And again, as we mentioned last episode, Trent Brown starting tackle for the Patriots is in concussion protocol. Michael and Renu, David Andrews, and Cole Strains, the starting interior line, all on the injury report, and I believe they all missed the season opener. So you have a very healthy, very fresh defensive line of the Dolphins going up against a battered offensive line, a matchup we normally don't get. The question will be if our linebackers, who did have a poor game against the Chargers, come back and have a bounce back performance because I do think the Patriots realize they are going to have to run and Bill Belichick for any weakness he has without Tom Brady he's not dumb he saw what the Chargers were able to do against us so I do expect they are going to run a lot and Ramondre Stevens Stevenson excuse me is able to get yards at will going up against linebackers who are smaller than him Uh, but I don't see how they can contain our offense just just too many weapons I do think we are going to try and hit some runs a little bit more I I think a a Devin a change going to be healthy this weekend and I expect to see him get some carries uh or at least be used in the passing game which adds another dimension Gasicki like it's the Gasicki revenge game I do think where they're going to try and get him a touchdown but I do think Gasicki against Javon Holland in the end zone is going to be the matchup and I'm Curious to see that. I have been critical of Holland. He did have a good game uh, in a much different role than he's used to. One that I wanted to see him play last year when Brandon Jones got hurt. Uh, So it is going to be interesting there. But I agree with you with Durham Smythe. I I thought at times that he was, we were trying to force the ball a little bit too much to him in the first half for a couple drives. But every catch he had was for a first down, so he is going to be very important. And I wouldn't be shocked if we try and get him a touchdown to prove that we made the right decision in keeping Smythe over Gesicki. Uh, but I do think it's going to be a closer game. I'm going to go 27-20 to 20 with a Dolphins win. I love it. And as you all know, it is list time, and to stick with the... Patriots theme, we are putting Patriots beat writer Tom Curran onto this list. And much like last episode, Jordan, I'm about to start turning this episode from a to a hater list to a don't say stupid shit list. I like that. He comes out and he says that Mac Jones is more accurate than Tua and he cites the Pittsburgh Steelers game last year to his first game after a concussion. So, who does that? And then, he also, and then he also has the audacity to say, if you put Mac Jones on the Dolphins, we would not see a drop-off in play. If you put Mac Jones on the Dolphins, the Dolphins would be looking for their next quarterback. I was about to um, say, you, we'd be talking if, a lot about Caleb Williams. Yeah, like that's what I was about to say. If you put Mac Jones on the Dolphins... We probably don't trade a first-round pick for Bradley Chubb. Um, we probably don't trade a high pick, um, even a mid-round pick uh, for Jalen Ramsey. We're not talking about trading a top pick for Jonathan Taylor. We're talking about recouping as many picks as we could possibly get uh, to try to get a guy like Caleb Williams. Look, Tua is the perfect quarterback for this offense, um, and I, I don't understand. I'm looking at a poll right now on uh, – Early edition, I don't know what this is. I'm looking at it on Yahoo Sports. That 64% of voters would rather have Mac Jones as their quarterback than Tua. Like, what are these people? I don't know if this was just a New England poll, but it's the, the Tua disrespect is absolutely crazy. Like, there is no world and no stratosphere where Mac Jones and Tua are on similar levels as an NFL quarterback. It's, it's just not. They're not. It's, it's impossible. So this Curran guy, I had never heard of him until you guys brought him up to me the other day, and I probably will never hear of him again. I think his name's fake. 
because his first name's Tom and his middle name's E. So it makes me think Tommy. Um, it could it could be one of those bend over type situations. Um, I don't know who this guy is. Uh, he's not credible. No, Mac Jones is not as accurate as Tua, and Tua is going to continue adding names to his list, just like we're adding Tom E. Curran to our list. Yeah, and just to go with it, like I said last episode, I watched the Eagles-Patriots game, and to me, this again, the story of that was more the Eagles just sleepwalking than it was Mac Jones looking great. And again, if if you haven't listened to our last episode, go ahead and listen now, but if you haven't, Look up Mac Jones's pick six. It was awful. It was one of the funniest pick sixes I've ever seen. And I've seen some bad ones because I'm a Dolphins fan. So that tells you something. And, but it wasn't a case of him be. It, it's not a case of Mac Jones looking good. He looked awful for a half. And to his credit, he, t- he took care of mistakes. But he is not going to take the chances that two is going to take. So... There may be games he has a better stat line, but it's going to be a boring game to watch from him. Yeah, my the prediction I'll make, um, I think the Dolphins score defense a touchdown. Um, I think Cater Kahu does it. Um, Cater with a pick six. Dolphins win 31-17. I'm going to say all of our touchdowns, once again, come from two a touchdown passes. Smythe will get one, and I think Waddle gets two. And All right, there it is. All right. Jordan, do you have anything you want to add before we sign off? Hey, as always, I hope everybody enjoyed uh, this week's episodes. Uh, we had two of them. Uh, we're always looking to improve. We always love the feedback. We always love you guys trying to grow the brand. Um, and I've just had a ton of fun doing this. Absolutely. It's been a blast as always. And again, for Jordan and Joe, my name is Brett. Thank you for listening to the list. Remember, we are watching Joe. Hit that music.